Welcome to REI Energy and Climate Podcast. I'm your host Aaron from REI. REI is the short for Rock Environment and Energy Institute, a Beijing-based independent think tank with focus on climate policy and energy transition. Today, I'm with my colleague Zhao Ang. Last week, Zhao Ang and Jia Tiao discussed China's provincial early carbon peaking plans. If you are interested, please find our last podcast on our podcast channels. This week, we are shifting our focus to the low carbon development of road transportation sector, looking specifically at how health impact assessments is used as a tool for policymakers to combat climate change and develop strategies for their climate actions. Hello, everyone.、Uh, this is Zhang. As Aaron mentioned, I think there's no secret climate change is projected to have a adverse、uh, impact on public health. We have been uh, producing uh, a few episodes in this program, in this podcast about how healthcare sector need to step up to make actions to reduce its own carbon footprint in order to tackle、uh, climate change in a more collective and active ways. So, in the process of the considering developing policies to combat climate change and protect public health. The health impact assessment, HIA、uh, in short, can more comprehensively serve as a decision support tool. So this policy tool was first introduced by the World Health Organization in 1999. It's more than 20 years ago. It was quickly adjusted and implemented、uh, in many developed countries, particularly in the、uh, European. Union and North America, so those countries have using this policy tool to identify opportunities to maximize positive health impact and also mitigate the negative、uh, health impact. Yeah, and the World Health Organization defines the health impact assessment as a combination of procedures, methods, and tools by which a policy program or project. May be judged as to its potential effects on the health of the population, and the distribution of those effects within its community. The health impact assessment is divided up into five different steps, including、uh, screening, scoping, appraising, reporting, and monitoring. So let's highlight the five steps.、Um, first, screening. This step is to identify. Plan, project, or policy decisions for which an HIA would be useful.、Uh, this is to make sure whether HIA is necessary in the decision making related to、uh, the plan or any、uh, policy changes. Second,、uh, scoping,、uh, even more important, it's about identifying what health risks and benefits to consider. You know when we. Use these two steps as the beginning of the HIA practice. It help us narrow down、uh, what we can cover in the analysis,、uh, what kind of risks and what kind of costs and benefits or health impact we have to put into the、uh, account. So I think these two steps are the fundamental for the next three steps. 
Yeah, and uh, the next three steps are appraising the evidence, which is gathering the evidence and engaging stakeholders and community groups to identify what is being studied. And then uh, number four is assessment, which assesses the impacts and using the evidence to recommend actions to mitigate the negative impacts and maximize benefits. And finally, step five is monitoring and evaluation, which monitors the outcomes of the recommendations being implemented and also looks at the health impacts that is resulted from the the health impact assessments. Yeah, I think the last step, the monitoring and the evaluation, is quite significant as uh, the final step of the whole uh, framework. This stage happens after the implementation and give a final say uh, how effective the policy recommendations are. Uh, I think in our final part of the uh, episode, uh, we will try to touch this point again when we put China's practice into our discussion. Yeah, and the benefits of using a uh, health impact assessment is more than just the ability to maximize its uh, beneficial health outcomes. The American Center of Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, they also recommend all departments in the U.S. to use the HIA as it holds a promise for incorporating different aspects of health outcome into decision making. Because of its ability to have a broad array of policy and programs being implemented, uh, it also is able to consider both adverse and beneficial health effects into its assessment. Additionally, its ability to consider and incorporate various types of evidence makes it a very strong assessment tool to use. And finally, its ability to engage communities and stakeholders in a deliberative process and include those that are directly impacted by the decision of the policymaker makes it extremely valuable and important in the process of delivering the policy after it's being made. Yeah, the USCDC is one of the most important public health institutions in the country, in the United States. So what uh, CDC proposed in the uh, HIA application, I think, is quite uh, informative and important. It's uh, aligned with the five steps we just uh, introduced, but help us to put into the CDC's uh, contextual situations and helping us understand it better. Most common use of HIA have focused on uh, sectors such as uh, land use planning, transportation, and other uh, public policies. In most cases, HIA is done as a part of a wider sustainability appraisals, including uh, what we know most EIA, Environment uh, Impact Assessment, or Integrated Impact Assessment. Uh, those recommendations are produced for decision makers and stakeholders to adjust its policies to uh, maximize the benefits and uh, minimize the, the risks. And you know, in China, until now, we don't have specified HIA, but in the EIA, 
there is a small section talking about the health impact of the project or plans. But in the end of this episode, we'll give more information or updates on uh, what's going on in HIA policy in China. So, however, as climate change becomes uh, more apparent and the climate disasters more frequent, uh, many countries, they are considering using the HIA to see the guidance when developing climate resilience policy or mitigation policies. Yeah, and within the transportation industry, HIA is a common and very effective tool for policymakers to identify the possible health consequences of their decisions while engaging closely with community members to gain support in new development projects. There are many cases worldwide that uh, HIA with the climate focus uh, was used to help decision makers in their transportation-related policy development. For instance, uh, in New Zealand, HIA is used in the program called Moving Urban Chips from Cars to Bicycles, uh, Impact on Health and uh, Emissions. So this program carried out uh, before 2011, and there was a paper published in 2011 to report uh, what uh, the conclusion and how the program was designed, uh, the methodology, and, and uh, inform uh, readers and the policymakers to understand how this program uh, helped the designers and the policymakers in, in New Zealand to understand uh, the challenges and the solutions better. So this program aims to test the effect on health, air pollution, and uh, greenhouse gas emissions from replacing the car-based short trips, usually less than 7 kilometers per trip, uh, with cycling. So this is a very basic design information about the program. Yeah, and the results of the assessment uh, found a very significant health co-benefit of shifting about 5% of vehicles kilometer traveled to cycling. And that would reduce vehicle travel by about 223 million kilometers each year within New Zealand. And that reduction could save 22 million liters of fuel and reduce transportation-related greenhouse gas emissions by 0.4%. It identified uh, 116 deaths that is avoided annually as a result of these uh, increased physical activity from cycling instead of driving. And six fewer deaths due to the reduction of local air pollution from the vehicle emissions. So it really proved that an increased use of bicycles could potentially play a very important role in reducing the negative health effects of dietary energy access um, from the increased cardiovascular benefits of exercise. Yeah, with HI, this study concludes that health benefits of moving from cars to bikes are far more than the cost of injury resulted from the uh, road crashes. Because when you go out uh, by bikes, uh, the risk of, of crashing with cars and other vehicles might be a very significant concern by the cyclists. 
So they compare this kind of potential risk. The policy implications are quite clear. The travel mode shift will bring better air quality for sure. Yeah, in urban areas, improve public health, and by, you know, when you shift to cycling, definitely you you increase your physical activities. That's a very direct benefit to your health. And thirdly, it's help to cut off greenhouse gases、uh, emission from car driving. And how can policymakers encourage this shift towards cycling?、Um, so in this case, the policy recommendations that displace vehicle travel with cycling included、uh, fuel taxes,、uh, congestion charges, parking restrictions. Uh, education programs for、uh, car users and infrastructure development to make cycling much easier and more enjoyable. It's quite right.、Uh, what you mentioned in terms of policy recommendations are quite typical and very practical. It has been proved、uh, effective in many、uh, countries. But I want to see the issue through a quite different perspective. Uh, I want to see from like the behavioral economics. So before I give my thoughts, I just want to、uh, have a quick introduction about the, this term, yeah, behavioral economics. This branch of the economics, this、uh, quite a new、uh, development under the faculty of economics, it studies the effect of、uh, psychological, cognitive, emotional, cultural. And social factors on the decision of the individuals and the institutions, and to see how those decisions from those entities vary from those implied by classical economic theory or models. So let's move back to our case study. So I think the policy designer may choose a celebrity to send out the message by making an example. Say a public figure shifting the travel mode from driving a car to cycling. So I remember there are some very very high profile figures. For example, the former New York Mayor Bloomberg, and also the former London Mayor Boris Johnson. The first one, he he took the metro, the subway to work to 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 his office. And the Boris Johnson cycled from his home to the office、uh, until now, when he was <laughs> the pre- now is prime minister of the UK. Sometimes he also、uh, cycle from home to to the the working places. So I think it is quite interesting,、uh, and、uh, many citizens will、uh, follow the footstep if they see some、uh, high profile figures、uh, doing something、uh, new. So I think this is a quite influential way、uh, to persuade people to shift their habits from the old one to the to the new one, because according to behavioral economics, people are heavily influenced by messenger.、Uh, depends, yeah, who are the messenger, and the messenger sometimes can make difference in in policy change. Yes. And、uh, that last week, our organization published an article on the success lesson of Tesla, a American electric vehicle maker. Tesla rejected the traditional marketing approaches and instead 
used its CEO Elon Musk as a messenger for to promote its products. It turned out to be an effective and and creative product marketing strategy that uses the term zero cost marketing, and it's being studied around the world right now. Yeah, that's very interesting case.、Uh, I know、um, Elon Musk is a big influencer、um, in many ways. So、uh, here's a guy can work on in very different disciplines. So behavioral economics provides a powerful framework to understand the reasons behind the behavioral changes of individuals and institutions. If you are interested in this topic, please check out our website. Uh, where you can find a new essay on how behavioral economics approaches or、uh, frameworks、uh, support road transport decarbonization, which was just published a couple days ago. So now let's move to、uh, the second case study. So different from the New Zealand、uh, study, a study that come from Europe、uh, proposed different、uh, application of the HIA. In the policymaking process, this study out of Europe looks at how health impact assessment was used to quantify the co-benefits of air pollution mitigation policies in Rotterdam, Netherlands. The case study is to assess the health effects of、uh, two separate interventions they looked at. One being a ten percent reduction of private vehicle kilometers traveled. So that looks at、uh, reducing ten、uh, percent of the vehicles on the road, and the second looks at、uh, a share of fifty percent private electric vehicle kilometers. So,、uh, increasing the total vehicles on the road to fifty percent being electric. In the scoping step of the research, the scientists looked at these health risks, looked at the risk of being exposed to particular matter, elemental carbon. And noise. They identified these costs as specified being years of life lost (YLL) and years lived with disabilities as、uh, the consequences of the exposures. And、uh, in their assessment, their baseline year was 2010, and the assessment will end in 2020. So this is a 10-year-long study.、Mm-hmm. It's quite a、uh, long term. I mean, it it can tell the difference within the, this time frame. So the result、uh, from this case study show the two interventions had a marginal effect on air pollution. It's interesting because if you shift、uh, half of the car fleet from、uh, conventional、uh, combustion vehicle to the、uh, electric vehicle, it should be a big difference. And but the result tells the main reason why the uh, intervention uh, to the intervention are marginal in terms of the effect because the existing traffic policies throughout、uh, the Netherlands,、uh, including Rotterdam,、uh, they also influential in reducing the major pollutant of air quality PM two point five. Uh, and also the elemental carbon in these two major indicators reduced by around forty percent and sixty percent respectively in the ten years time. So I think it's always 
important to say how can we tell uh, the difference between the policy uh, influence and other uh, relevant uh, factors because the transportation uh, and the vehicle and uh, the trips um, modes they are among those factors and that alone we talk about the energy consumption because if the country or the city uh, has the major energy supply from uh, fossil fuels, particularly coal power, uh, the air quality is mainly influenced by the coal power plants, not by the transportation sector. Although maybe transportation sector is the second important factor. So expected that by 2020, the background pollution level in Rotterdam will be significantly lower than 2010. And the major reason is about uh, the Rotterdam has better and cleaner energy supplies. So I think put that into the context, we will understand why uh, these two policy interventions don't make big difference. Yeah, and in terms of the noise complaints and noise pollution levels, the study found a small number of urban residents that will benefit from the 10% reduction of road vehicle kilometer travel. And at the same time, only 1% fewer people will show a positive health outcome from a 50% electric vehicle usage on the road. That is expected because uh, since electric vehicles doesn't have engine noise, it still has very similar uh, noise levels from its tires traveling on the road as gas vehicles. And this result showed that the health benefits of both cases, uh, both scenarios, is not significant. Mm-hmm. That sounds very interesting because according to my experience, uh, I, I regard the electric vehicle can significantly reduce the, the noise level. But anyway, a noise level consists of not only the engine uh, noise, but also the friction between the uh, tires and uh, and the road. So for the electric vehicles, they still produce noise from that uh, move. So the, the study in Rotterdam uh, suggests in the city, like uh, in, in a very developed country, uh, the long-term patterns of a sustainable policy have been implemented in those kind of cities. Uh, even very ambitious transport interventions, uh, as we mentioned in the beginning of this case study, uh, to reduce a uh, vehicle uh, usage, yeah, this kind of intervention uh, may not produce large health gains related to reduction of the air pollution and noise. But this suggests the need to the need to consider various sectorial interventions. As uh, I just mentioned, uh, the major reason of the air quality improvement in Rotterdam is about uh, the shifting from fossil fuel based energy system to the uh, renewable energy based system. Uh, so this is a higher, uh, the larger sector considerations. So besides traffic, a larger spectrum of potential health and well-being benefits uh, than the classic health outcome usually consider. So it, this study also suggests uh, the additional components should be added to the assessment. Uh, apart from pollution and noise, uh, other considerations such as reduction of the traffic jam, uh, cost effectiveness of the electric vehicles, or the health benefits from shifting 
the car use towards the more active and uh, physical healthy uh, mobility may bring other uh, benefit. As I said, yeah, this is uh, related to the scoping uh, part of the HIA. So uh, I think to improve better understanding of this policy interventions, I think researchers may think about uh, putting more factors into their uh, analysis in the future. So in other words, uh, the scoping may determine the outcome of applying HIA in the policy or project compared to the study in New Zealand the health benefits of a mobility shift are not included in the Rotterdam study. Now, this study from Rotterdam is very interesting as a opportunities for us to see a different side of uh, HRA where the result may not always be positive and the interventions may not always work, but there's opportunities to see that um, different interventions or different health outcomes could be assessed through uh, alternative and future studies. And this shows that uh, the health impact assessment is a very significant and effective tool for policymakers to look at whether a policy could be useful or not. These two studies show that HIA may play an important role in the policymaking of tackling climate change. However, these are cases from high-income developed countries. What about the HIA practices in uh, developing middle to low-income countries? Have you heard about any case studies from there? I heard that China has recently introduced uh, its first health impact assessment policy in Shanghai. Can you tell us more? I don't know much about other countries. Yeah, um, let's share some thoughts about the situation in China. As you mentioned, uh, the updates in Shanghai. HI as a regulatory mechanism have been used mostly in rich countries, largely because the healthcare expenditure or expanding in those countries accounts for much higher share of GDP. For example, in the US, the healthcare annual spending occupies about 17 to 18% of GDP, the highest in the world. While in China, that number is only around 5%. And for European Union countries, they are in the middle, like uh, 9 or 8%. So to use HI to assess the effect of policies and the plans may help decision makers to know the dynamics of the cost and the benefits. To put it another way, HIA may help governments or other entities like uh, companies to improve policy implementations in terms of more uh, smart budgeting. Because if you uh, don't consider the health impact assessments, you might continually to push the spending of the health care even higher. Uh, that's not smart. In the past, Chinese government focuses on EIA, Environment Impact Assessment, in order to control the pollution and prevent the worst effect or worst scenario of environmental degradations. While China's economy grows and gradually becoming a middle-income level country, policy makers now uh, have the motive, have the urge 
to push the health impact in their agenda. So you're saying that China is really just in the process of introducing HIA into its policy making process, right? Yes, it's just in the in uh, at at the door because China is moving from, I mean, close to not not already and uh, not get there, but it's close to the middle income country. And since uh, a country's uh, economy uh, developed into that stage, I think uh, their priority in their agenda of policy might shift a little bit from more pollution control to harvesting the health benefits by different policy measures. So that's that's kind of the transitional stage. And although it's just the beginning, I mean, I see uh, in some. Uh, cities and the provinces, they might have a first step. So in December last year, uh, municipal governments of Shanghai developed the country's first HIA plan in conjunction with Healthy China 2030 strategy. That strategy was put out uh, by the central government a couple of years ago. So Shanghai is setting up the institutions and the conditions to incorporate HIA into the relevant new policy assessment. Uh, it's a specific effort to create more positive health uh, co-benefits in the future policy change. Yeah, it sounds very promising and it's very, it makes a lot of sense that China is starting this uh, new initiative in Shanghai as it is one of the most developed cities within the country. Um, and it's it's very interesting to see how they can add uh, HIA into all of their future policy changes. But so far, are there any uh, HIA cases in China, in Shanghai that we can take a look at? Not yet. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is only the beginning of the effort. So until now, I haven't found out even the access to the detailed documents related to the HIA institution in Shanghai because they say they have uh, various uh, documents to support the implementation of this institution. But uh, I hope those regulatory documents will be open to public very soon. Yeah, and from the news report articles, um, it seems that the Shanghai HIA policy is a very similar mirror to the WHO's HIA policy that was recommended uh, 20 years ago that we discussed earlier in our podcast. So let's keep an eye on the development of Shanghai's uh, new health impact assessment. Yeah, for sure. I think this is uh, quite relevant policy development, not only in the city, but also beyond uh, for, for the country. If HI is implemented very well and help the policymakers in Shanghai to make better policy changes, I think they will uh, lead example uh, to help other places in China to to use HI more effectively. Finally, I just want to touch the point I raised in the beginning of this episode about monitoring and evaluation, the last step of the HIA. To have effective monitoring and evaluation, I think the most important thing is information disclosure and the policy transparency. Because in a more effective, more inclusive society, uh, evaluation and monitoring uh, should be undertaken not only by uh, 
some people should be by all the uh, stakeholders. So uh, to make sure uh, information disclosed and also policy transparent, uh, uh, I think uh, that will be help for the the whole community of the decision making to uh, borrow and to uh, have more wisdom and more uh, support from other parts of the society. So as one of the pioneers in policy experiments and the reforms in China, Shanghai has done a lot in the past in this field. I, I still wish in leading as example in HIA uh, application across the country in the, in the new future, Shanghai can uh, set another good example for the rest of the country. Yeah, let's stay tuned and keep a close eye on what Shanghai will be doing in the future. And、uh, this concludes our podcast today. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to leave a comment for us on our podcast channel or contact us directly through rei.org.cn. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Stay safe. Goodbye. See you next time.